Hello everyone. Thank you for joining me again. If you're listening to this, I'm assuming that you're one of my humanity students. Um, if you're not, thank you for joining us anyway. Uh, what you're about to listen to is the second part of our two-part series um, uh, entitled The Mesopotamians. In the last part, we talked about the Mesopotamians during the Bronze Age. And uh, this episode is going to primarily be focused on uh, ancient Mesopotamia during the time of the Iron Age. Um, I will warn you, we, we talk about quite a few different civilizations that uh, we would find in this area. And the, the point of this is mainly to connect the dots between the two uh, with some different uh, geographical talk and then also with some um, time period talk as well, using dates. And so therefore, I um, hope you enjoy this. And uh, once again, this is part two of the Mesopotamians. In the last installment, we talked about the early beginnings of human civilization in one specific part of the world. Uh, this specific part of the world uh, we refer to as the Middle East in modern times. This is an area of Western Asia that is just east of the Mediterranean Sea. When we refer to this area in ancient times, in its ancient beginnings, we refer to this area as ancient Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia meaning between the rivers, specifically the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. And of course, in our first episode of this series, we talked about life first beginning in this area the very first civilization to spring in this area would have been the Sumerians. However, in the first part of this Mes Mesopotamian series, we really talked about what life was like, what different peoples were located within ancient Mesopotamia during the Bronze Age. The Bronze Age is an, an early era of human civilization, commonly uh, found between the years 2100 BCE and 1200 BCE. During this time in North Africa, we can find the New Kingdom of Egypt. Uh, we had also talked about how there were, there were different peoples on the Mediterranean, seafaring peoples like the Mycenaean Greeks, we find the Phoenicians there. We find the Minoans there. But as the subject of our first part, we talked about how we could find the Hittites in ancient Mesopotamia during the Bronze Age. We also find the Elamites. Um, 
we also find remnants of the Akkadians. But then we also see some specific peoples developing in central Mesopotamia, peoples that we're still going to be talking about today. And one of those sets of peoples came from a city, major cultural hub within the end of the Bronze Age and the beginning of the next era that we're talking about today. This city uh, was first founded by the Akkadians, and uh, it was, it was, it can be found today, um, the, well, the ancient ruins of this city can be found today roughly about 58 miles southeast of the city of Baghdad, Iraq. And this city was Babylon. We talked about um, how this, this city became uh, such a cultural hub in the very first episode of this. Uh, but we're going to be continuing talking about this city as we move forward today. When we left off, we had discussed that there was also a decline in civilization following the Bronze Age. And this decline of civilization we refer to as a Dark Age. Uh, we have multiple Dark Ages that we talk about in human history, and this Dark Age occurred between roughly between 1200 and 900 BCE. And not to give you a full recap of the last episode, but there is some mystery involved into why there was a decline in human civilization at this time. Much of it can be tied to economics, but we also discussed how this decline could have been sparked or spurred by natural disaster as well. But from the ashes out of this dark age, we see Mesopotamian civilizations rising once again, but yet there is one peoples within ancient Mesopotamia that rose above the others as we enter into the next age of human civilization, which we refer to as the Iron Age. The Iron Age began, and the, and the Iron Age really took place in Europe, in ancient Europe and ancient Middle East around 900 through 323 BCE. And back to the subject of the peoples that uh, were involved in the largest rise in power during this beginning of the Iron Age was the Assyrians. Now the Assyrians did establish an empire toward the end of the Bronze Age. However, if we're referring to the Assyrians within the beginnings of the Iron Age, that would technically be referred to as the Neo-Assyrian Empire. And this empire we, we view today as the first empire of its kind that ever actually existed. And this Neo-Assyrian Empire, this Assyrian Empire, was centered around modern-day Syria. And if we look at a map, uh, we can find that modern-day Assyria 
is really in the, the northwestern corner of Mesopotamia, while still being east of the Mediterranean. If we're looking farther to the northwest, we're looking at modern-day Turkey, which was just west of what we refer to as the Neo-Assyrian Empire. The reason that the Assyrian Empire rose to be the most dominant force within the ancient Mesopotamian region during the beginnings of the Iron Age was their strength. This was a people who took great pride in strength, not only through the domination of other nations around them and other peoples around them, but also through the domination of the people found even within their empire. First of all, they developed their strength through military. This is the first military that we really see in human history um, that actually organized themselves into, uh, in, into different classifications of weapon system operators, such as archers, um, and also earlier versions of cavalry units that actually used chariots instead of actual horseback riders at first. The Assyrian military dominated the region and the peoples that they would dominate would be the other peoples that would be around during the beginnings of the Iron Age as well. These people would be the Elamites, which uh, these people actually existed in the southern portion of modern-day Iran. The Assyrians um, would also dominate the Lydians, which, uh, which these peoples were centered around modern-day Turkey. Once again, uh, we refer, refer to this large peninsula as Anatolia. Uh, but they also dominated their arch enemies, which were the Babylonians. Now, we refer to Babylon as a city, as a great city. However, the area around Babylon, such as the state around the city, you know, the city-state, uh, would be referred to as Babylonia. And we see many, many conflicts between the Assyrians and the Babylonians throughout this portion of history. But as I said, the Assyrians not only demonstrated dominance over the other peoples within this region, but they also, they also demonstrated dominance within their own people. And not to get extremely graphic here, um, but we find some of the most brutal forms of punishment and torture in terms of domestic rule within this earliest of Mesopotamian empires, the, the empire of Neo-Assyrians. I would not mind to elaborate on this, but uh, 
the educational purposes that we're talking about right now. We will leave this as you know, some of the, the harshest punishments and tortures that we can find in any human civilization in terms of domestic control and domestic rule. We can see depictions, we have proof of this type of dominance. We, can, we see this proof through depictions of ancient Assyrian, ancient Assyrian throne room walls, um, but then also on palace walls, ancient Assyrian palace walls. I couldn't think of the word there. Uh, we, you know, as we look back in history now, you know, it is very easy to view the ancient Assyrians negatively. However, we do have to give them credit because this is the, the, the dominant force that really pulled the ancient Mesopotamian region out of what we refer to as that Dark Age. And they did this around 900 BCE. We, we see the rise of the Neo-Assyrian Empire um, around the 900s, 800s BCE. And I will say right now that the eras from this point on in human history, they're going to start to feel much shorter and they're going to seem much more detailed because we actually have more written records. Of course we have scientific records, we have archaeological discoveries that we can look back on, we can look at artifacts from this time and even before, however we're starting to see more writers that we can depend on at this time. Uh, just like how we can depend on Homer to display um, what warfare and what life was sort of like during the Bronze Age through his depictions in the Iliad and the Odyssey. We can now depend on more people uh, to really fill in the gaps and to get us from point A to point B regarding narrative and regarding story and regarding sequence of events uh, because of their documentation. And I will point out a major figure who provides many of our records from the specific time that we are talking about now, which would be the Iron Age, taking place ancient Europe, ancient Mesopotamia during this time. Um, and this writer, he was a Greek. We haven't talked much about the Greeks yet. We can thank him for a lot of his Mesopotamian records as well. Um, and this guy, his name was Herodotus. Herodotus, we now know as, or we've referred to him as, the father of history. There is a, a compilation of all, all of his stories. It's called the Histories. Um, and from the times of the ancient uh, Neo-Assyrian Empire, the ancient Babylonians, um, and forward here throughout these Mesopotamian and Greek stories, we find many of his details uh, within historical, um, historical, historical records. Okay, so as we move on, it is important to note what some of the major cities are during this time, uh, because you know we we have talked about very, very developed, large cities, urban centers within 
the ancient Egyptian empire. But yet, it is also important for us to discuss some of the major cities that we find in these Mesopotamian empires as well. Of course, we've talked about Babylon, and, and during this early Iron Age, um, we can see that Babylon has massive walls. It's, it's one of the most fortified cities that we see throughout the Middle East during this time. Um, it's got a large population, as we said before, it is a cultural hub. Um, but then also, I would like to point out that one of the ancient wonders, or one of the wonders of the ancient world was found in Babylon as well. And that would be the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Um, we, we can see, you know, paintings and depictions of what this city looked like. Of course, all we have are ruins now, but we can look back at this city um, through, through visual depictions um, that, that show evidence that vegetation and plant life uh, was used for many decorative architectural purposes in this city during this time. Um, and you know, we, we can look back and see that there were temples that would have these gardens built into the terraces um, that would, that would stack on top of each other. Uh, that really demonstrated very unique and interesting type of beauty that we, that we don't see a lot of other places, but we do find in ancient Babylon. Once again, those would be called the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. But some of the other large and fortified cities that we find during this time would be Ashur, which was found in the Assyrian Empire and also the capital of the Neo-Assyrian Empire was Nineveh. And this was most likely the most fortified city possibly in the world during this time. And then if we look over to the Edomites, which once again were from uh, the southern portions of modern-day Iran, we find Susa. And this is a city that we will likely refer to again later. As we discussed, the Assyrians, they dominated the region for roughly about 300 years. Uh, but we do see uh, a decline in Assyrian civilization toward the end of the 600s BCE. And the fall of this Assyrian Empire mainly contributed to a monarch, uh, monarch secession once again. And, and when I refer to this, I refer to this at the end of the Egyptian talk as well. Uh, but when I refer to monarch secession as being a negative, I'm saying that you know, in ancient times, we would have a king, and in order to have the next king after that king died, we would look to you know, the son or a close family member of that king in order to take his place, which would be, once again, monarch succession. Uh, the problem with this, and the reason that this can be a negative, um, is because you might wind up with a king through succession that is not as strong as the king or the leader that was, you know, in power before. You might not have the same types of uh, personal qualities, that allowed the first king or queen to be successful. 
um, which then leads to problems, obviously. And then also, specifically in this case with the Assyrians, you would have people fighting over that throne uh, because uh, some people would, some people within the family might interpret their right to the throne. Um, at, at, well, they they would be looking to themselves as the rightful claim to the throne. Um, you know, in contrast to maybe somebody else. What I'm trying to say here is there were actually uh, two brothers who uh, could have seized the throne of the Assyrian Empire, uh, but yet they fought over the throne. They were not able to designate one over the other as the king of ancient Assyria, uh, which then led to a civil war, which obviously led to a weakening of this Assyrian Empire. It was tearing itself apart from the inside. And as this was happening, we began to see the rise of other civilizations. And this is the reason why I said that this, this topic was going to move quite a bit because, because we have lots of different civilizations here. Um, we see one civilization uh, rising in the east. Um, which this civilization would be found in northern modern-day Iran. Like I said before, the Elamites, you could find them in southern modern-day Iran. But more in the north, we find the Medes. And th this sector of the Middle East, ancient Mesopotamia, was referred to as Media. And with the help of the Babylonians, and then a type of peoples that we're going to talk about later on, the Scythians, which come from uh, the Central Asian steppe. With the help of those two civilizations, the Medes actually invaded the Assyrian Empire and destroyed the capital of Nineveh, which then ended the Assyrian dominance in the region. And right after this, we, we have sort of an instability in this area until we see the rise actually another civilization. Uh, this civilization, um, you could say that these were the cousins of the ancient Medes, um, but these people were the Persians. And um, the rise of this civilization really came from uh, the perseverance and the drive and um, the inspiration of one individual. We, we view this guy as one of the first conquerors that we really see in ancient history. And his name was Cyrus the Great. We refer to him now as Cyrus the Great. Uh, but he led a conquest across ancient Mesopotamia, which the Persians came from roughly around the same area as the Edomites and the Medes, or in central Iran, modern day. Um, but he took uh, the, uh, the Persians from a small ter territory um, into most of Mesopotamia. He ended up allying with the Medes and uh, their combined forces uh, traveled to the east and ended up conquering Lydia, which I said was the region that we would find in modern day Turkey. And then they eventually conquered Babylon, uh, thus providing 
the entire area of the Middle East to the Persians. The reason why the Persians, uh, Cyrus specifically, was able to uh, conquer so many peoples so fast within his lifetime, he was, uh, he actually demonstrated a different type of policy than the Assyrians. Now I'm really rushing through this. I, I could talk more about this, but we, we have to think back to the Assyrians. We talk about how they dominated peoples in this area through tough military strength, but also tough domestic policy. You know, if you crossed them, then uh, you were in big trouble. Um, if the Assyrians wanted to invade your area and you resisted, they would completely, you know, destroy your city and all of the people within it. However, Cyrus, um, when he took the Persians across the Middle East and conquered the Middle East, um, he demonstrated a different type of policy, and that would be a policy of leniency. When he would move across and go from village to village, city to city, tribe to tribe, he would tell you know, the people within these different is that they can maintain the culture that they have. Uh, they simply just um, need to show their allegiance to the Persians. And so therefore, it was much easier for different peoples to align with the side of the Persians during this time because of this Wallenia policy. And so now, at this time, which this was around the 500s BCE, this was after the fall of Assyria, um, we see this entire area, the entire ancient Mesopotamia, modern day Middle East, we see this all as the Persian Empire. And this empire spanned from, once again, modern day Turkey as its farthest western expansion, far east as around the area of modern-day Pakistan, which is very close to modern-day India. Uh, we see this as far north, you know, as the Black Sea, and then as far south as the Persian Gulf. And then we see, you know, um, we see this dominance, we see Persian dominance for, you know, throughout the rest of the 500s and on into uh, the beginnings of the 400s. Even after Cyrus, the Persian Empire eventually expanded into Egypt, they eventually conquered Egypt during this time. Um, and then we also see uh, the succession lead to somebody that um, really developed the Persian Empire into a really well-oiled economic machine. And this leader was named Darius. We refer to this guy as Darius the Great. There's a there's controversial story how he came to the throne, which we might be able to talk about later, but his significance 
the reason why we're talking about him is because he ruled the Persian Empire at the height of the Persian Empire. And the reason why this was the height of the Persian Empire was through his administrative abilities, through his uh, ability to establish forms of communication, establish forms of trading and commerce that really developed uh, the Middle East into um, honestly the, the richest part of the world, um, the most well-organized part of the world, and really the most civilized part of the world during this time. And, and like I said, we can uh, thank Darius for a lot of these innovations. Now, the, the slight downfall that we see with Darius toward the end of his reign is because he ends up um, sparking a little bit of conflict with uh, a people that will cause great havoc on this Persian Empire in the future. This conflict came from some rebellions that we see in modern-day Turkey, which, as we talked about, this was Persian territory this time. But these rebellions um, ended up causing sparks that would eventually lead to a war between the Persians and this other peoples that I'm referring to. And these conflicts first arose during Darius's administration. These conflicts um, were between the Persians and the Greeks. And so we will pick back up on that story next time uh, when we look at our next installment, which will be called The Greeks.